Welcome everyone to the week 13 fantasy embedding Thursday show presented by the 33rd team. I am your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. Today we're going to walk through some week 13 fantasy rankings discussion. We're going to hit on the Jonathan Taylor situation since we know all of you are wondering about that. And we're going to discuss some betting thoughts for a few games of interest that may also have some fantasy implications as well. And finally, we'll close the show for those lucky enough to still be alive and survivor. Ryan has you covered to hopefully take you one more week closer to the promised land. Ryan, I'll turn it over to you. Let's dive into some of your weekly rankings here, Josh. The first thing that caught my eye here was you have Travis Etienne at running back 10. I checked Fantasy Pro's consensus. He's at running back two over there. Give us your thoughts behind that disparity, man. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to, maybe I'm a little low at RB10, but RB2 is crazy. Uh, Travis Etienne's been under four yards per carry in six straight games. This Jacksonville run game has just not been good. He's had more than three receptions just once in the past six games. He did have four straight games with at least 22 fantasy points. I think that's what people are remembering, but he also scored seven touchdowns over those four games. So of course the fantasy points were going to be there, but he hasn't scored the past three weeks. He's been under 13 fantasy points each of those past three games. If you check in the betting markets as anytime touchdowns minus 120, it's about 56% implied odds, which is good, but not actually all that great for a starting running back. If you adjust for opponents faced, the Bengals are just an average matchup for fantasy running backs. Ultimately, uh, I have guys like Alvin Kamara ahead of Travis Etienne. Alvin Kamara is going to be playing on a Saints team that's probably down Chris Olave due to concussion. Michael Thomas is on injured reserve. Rashid Shahid has a thigh injury. The Saints are going to have to throw a lot to keep pace with the Lions. I think Kamara, who's the only running back with games with targets above uh, of 12 or more this year, and he's actually had 14 targets twice. I think uh, 14 targets for a third time is very much in his range of outcomes. So for those of you out there with juggernauts, uh, you may actually be thinking Kamara versus ETN this week in the RB2 spot if you have uh, a McCaffrey on your team. Since remember, ETN was a third, fourth round pick. Kamara, sixth, seventh round pick. If you had to choose one for one, I am going Alvin Kamara. That's Jay Larky tweets. His fantasy rankings are on the website right now. We're going to dive into a few other disparities though, Josh. Next up, Devin Singletary, you have him at running back 12. Consensus has him at running back 2021. 20, you like the matchup? What's going on here? Yeah, one thing I love about this is we we are not Devin Singletary people. Uh, we've, we've generally uh, been pretty anti-Devin Singletary. It's always fun when the tides turn. Ultimately, uh, the Broncos we face is allow 5.8 yards per carry. That's more than uh, a full yard per carry above any other opponent. They allow the most fantasy points per game overall. When you adjust for schedule, and opponents, they are still allowing more than eight fantasy points per game above average. In the two games without Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary had at least 112 rushing yards. Then Damian Pierce comes back last week and Singletary outsnaps him 47 to 11. I, I think the reason Singletary's in the RB21 range for consensus is because they look and all they see is, oh, well, well Devin Singletary had six carries, uh, Pierce had five. Well, if we look at the matchup last week, the Jaguars were a pass funnel defense. They, they get beat really badly by pass attacks, and they've actually really shut down the run game. It makes sense they didn't want to run much. But high-value touches, four of Singletary's six carries were where it mattered most. He had two red zone and two goal line carries. Pierce had none. And you might be like, all right, well, still, that's that's very little. That's, we, we need more touches. Well, they, they came in the passing game. 
That's how you exploit the Jaguars is they're pretty friendly to running backs in the passing game. And Singletary ran 34 routes to Pierce's five. Singletary had seven targets. He caught six of them for 54 yards. What that tells me is it's clear that Houston wants Singletary to be highly involved regardless of opponent. And in this case, I think he's going to lead the rushing attack by a considerable margin against the softest run defense in the NFL. Oh, pretty fair stuff, Josh. Pretty fair. Now, something that's a little bit, you know, maybe we're coloring outside the lines a little bit more here. I'm a Hollywood Brown guy. You're a Hollywood Brown guy. You have him at wide receiver 18. Consensus has him at wide receiver 28 against the Steelers. Give us your thoughts on that disparity, Josh. So there, there's a little bit of risk here that this take doesn't matter because Marquise Brown didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. So there's a little bit of risk, but he's one of the players where if he gets even a limited session in on Friday, I'd expect him to be a full go. Ultimately, his average depth of targets has been at least 16 yards in all three games with Kyler Murray. Last week, he had 12 targets. That's a 27% target share. Six catches, 88 yards. He didn't quite get it done, but the usage was there. 189 air yards. That's one of the highest marks all season. The Steelers have been one of the better matchups to target for fantasy receivers. And if you're telling me that we have a, a talented receiver who's getting a lot of targets deep downfield, then I'm generally going to want to be above consensus on this player. And I think that should he suit up, he makes a very strong DFS play. Speaking of the Steelers, you have Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 19. He's wide receiver 25 in consensus, Josh. Are we are we are you getting high on the Steelers offense a little bit here, pal? I, I'm starting to warm up to them. Uh, my my Kenny Pickett pro uh, fantasy takes did not age well this offseason. But uh, one thing that that is starting to age well is the Steelers offense without Matt Canada. In their first game without offensive coordinator Matt Canada, they had 400 total yards of offense last week. They never did that under Matt Canada. Kenny Pickett also had a season high 278 passing yards last week. Since returning from injury in week seven, Deontay Johnson has a 28% target share. That's near the top of the NFL. After the first three weeks of NFL action, where we we had to give some respect to the Cardinals, they, they've come back to earth. Uh, Ryan, would you say they, they might be the second worst overall defense at this point behind the Commanders? Yeah, I think they're at least in play for that. Yeah, I, They're at least at yeah. least in that conversation. So we, we have a, a terrible defense, a player that, that hogs targets, and an offense that finally has the training wheels off of it. So I'm going to want to bet on Deontay Johnson this week. And I, I'm ranking him above consensus. I like it, Josh. I like it. Amari Cooper, you have met wide receiver 28. Consensus has met wide receiver 35. I'm, I am I think the Browns offense is basically the Jets offense right now. So I'm very curious why you're a little bit higher on, on Amari Cooper than most. Yeah, so this is assuming that Dorian Thompson-Robinson remains concussed. He's currently concussed. I, I think he stays concussed. I believe veteran Joe Flacco takes over. The Rams just don't really have any corners that can properly cover Amari Cooper. We know that Joe Flacco can just feed the number one receiver. We saw Garrett Wilson go nuts last year on the Jets. We know that Flacco is at least competent and has 300-yard passing games in his range of outcomes, which I think we'd agree. Dorian Thompson-Robinson does not. The past two weeks with DTR at quarterback, Amari Cooper has four catches for 34 yards and two catches for 16 yards. Squeaky wheel. I bet he's frustrated. I certainly would be if I had 50 combined receiving yards over the past two weeks. I think Joe Flacco feeds him. I think the pass volume rises in this one. So I, I'm expecting Amari Cooper to return to his fantasy wide receiver two type ways. One of the craziest things that I've thought of all week, week this week, Josh, is Joe Flacco 
could actually save the Browns' season to a degree. That defense is so good, I think they can they actually can. win with them. You know, it's 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 crazy to think about that in, in 2023. Let, last on this list, Josh, Pat Fryermuth. I'm a Pat Fryermuth guy. You have him at tight end eight. Clearly, you're, again, you know, I asked you before if you're high on the Steelers' offense. Clearly, you are. This means you're probably high on Kenny Pickett too. Consensus has Fryermuth at tight end ten. Tight end ten. What are you thinking here, Josh? So in week 11, he returns from injury, 13 routes, one target. They ease him in. Then last week, it looks like he's a full go, 11 targets. That was a 34% team-leading target share. He catches nine for 120 yards. Anytime we have a tight end that flashes that and shows that that's in their range of outcomes for a season, we should be very excited. For those of you that are like, uh, give me an example, uh, Trey McBride. We, we just saw this happen where Trey McBride starts to break out. And the second that it happens with these young tight ends during a season, it's kind of hard to uh, get back on track if you're already behind the eight ball. So we should be starting Pat Fryermuth this week. Arizona's defense, as I mentioned before, this is a defense to target. I think there's a potential for an improved offensive showing even from the Steelers, given that it's now going to be game two without offensive coordinator Matt Canada. So given Pat Fryermuth's first two seasons, which was a strong track record, and that he looked more than healthy last week, uh, I'm just going to assume that he's healthy again this week. I look forward to talking about the Steelers again towards the end of the show, Josh. Josh's season long rest of season rankings are up on the site. I believe this might be the last week he's doing them since trades are no longer available in most leagues. But we're going to give you guys the big one here. We're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. First, Josh, you know, he, he's out at least two or three weeks. What are your expectations for Taylor the rest of the season? So I, I think Jonathan Taylor is a hold. I'm sure some people will panic sell him. I wouldn't really do that. I just released my rest of season rankings on the 33rdteam.com. They're free to view. You can see the trade value chart. You'll see that I have Jonathan Taylor at the bottom of tier five. He's right near guys like James Conner and Joe Mixon. The way I'm thinking about it is that he's probably missing weeks 13 and 14. And then you might actually just get him for the fantasy playoffs. He's got a very friendly schedule. But let's say that he misses week 15 too. I think you're still okay. If you can somehow weather this storm, you have a, a top five fantasy running back for week 16 and 17. This is the type of upside that I don't want to pass up. We should generally be building super teams. I, I don't really care about getting fourth, third place in my fantasy league. Oh, wait, wait. Sometimes, sometimes third place gets their money back. I, I don't really care about that. That doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. If I, if I put in 50 hours of effort for a fantasy team to get my money back, uh, I'm losing. So uh, I generally try to get first or second, especially first. Jonathan Taylor is the type of player that can help you get there. Week 16, he gets the Falcons. Week 17, he gets the Raiders. Two games where game script should definitely be in the Colts' favor. And then on the other end, let's talk about Zach Moss. Fantasy RB1 type until Taylor returns. He had at least 18 touches weeks 2, 3, and 4 without Jonathan Taylor. Week 5, Taylor returned, but he was super limited. They eased him in. And Zach Moss, remember that Titans game? 25 touches, 195 total yards. Moss looked better than Taylor in that game. Overall, in those four games to start his Colts tenure, Moss reached 20 PPR fantasy points in three of them. So I, I'm very bullish on both these running backs since, uh, as we've talked about a few times, this is an offense that has continually impressed us this year. Yeah, I mean, probably the most surprising team in general, that Moss game against Tennessee in particular, might be the most surprising stat line of the year for me too. You know, let, let me ask you this question this way, Josh. Say, say you know, you have Taylor. He's your plugged-in running back, too. You don't really have a very deep bench at the position because, you know, you're set. Say you have, like, McCaffrey and Taylor. You're, you know, off to the races there. Zach Moss, someone else has him. He's gone. How are you trying to piece things together over the next few weeks if you're in that kind of situation? 
generally RB2 is the most easily replaceable position in fantasy football. You're probably losing uh, five to 10 points, maybe if you did nothing compared to your league mates. There's guys out on waivers like Samaj P. Ryan in a lot of leagues, and that that can get that guy can get you eight to 12 points in a week. So I'm actually trying not to panic with Taylor. Very few fantasy matchups are decided by a few points. Usually your opponent blows you out or you blow out your opponent. And that's kind of the, the strategy that I'd go to here is that it, it, if you have Taylor, uh, obviously I'd be trying to get Zach Moss. And then you can kind of piece together the, the Colts running back. I'd be willing to overpay for Zach Moss. But I think if you can't get him, you 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 can be all right. If, if your team is terrible outside of Taylor and this is the death blow, and one player ruins everything, your team probably wasn't good enough to win anyway. I miss James White for these situations. He's the guy I'd go plug in for the next two or three weeks. Uh, the Patriots, we'll get to them later too. Since we've been talking about the Colts so much, Josh, I just I just thought of this. They play the Titans this week. Titans haven't been very good this year. They haven't been very they weren't very good the second half of last year. I believe they lost seven games in a row. Yet they're one point underdogs at home to six and five Indianapolis. At first glance, I think that line would look a little surprising to most people. And in these scenarios, when the line looks a little bit off, I will only bet on the wrong side or I'll pass on it completely. And and here's the reason for that, Josh. Sports books are essentially financial institutions. They provide a service that when a when a regular casual person is watching a football game, that bet on the game they're watching becomes an entertainment product. Those are the customers they want. So they're trying to invite you to bet on the Colts in a situation like this. And generally speaking, I avoid those situations, you know, when possible. But uh, I do. And, you know, the Titans have had the, the Colts number over the last few years. But this is a game where I wouldn't just jump on the Colts in a, in a narrow line like this. Let, let's stick with some some line discussion in the betting markets. And let's talk about what we I think we can safely call the marquee game of the week for week 13. Yeah. It's a true tragedy. This isn't the Sunday night football game. This is the Sunday, one of the, the three afternoon games. It's the 49ers at the Eagles, the rematch of the NFC championship game. Now, Ryan, I'm looking right now and I see that the Eagles are two wins better than the Niners. And the, the Niners are now three point favorites, three point favorites on the road. Talk me through all the betting ramifications and implications of what should be week 13th game of the week. Yeah, this is the same kind of subject. You know, when you look at the line, like on Monday when we talked about this, it was 49ers plus one and a half. And, you know, most people would like would say exactly say, like, how are the 49ers, how are, how are the 49ers favorites in Philly when they've had two fewer wins than the Eagles? So now that it's moved, I, I like the 49ers to win this game in general. Now that it's moved to a full three points, I'm staying completely away from it. I actually hate this situation because and you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to grind micro edges with sports betting. We cannot place a bet on a team at minus one and a half and then do it again at minus three because what we're talking eight, 10, 12% chance. This game ends with the 49ers winning by three points. Now I don't want any part of that, but you know, from a pure football standpoint, I have some thoughts behind it. Revenge game for San Francisco. And I mean like a real revenge game. They couldn't play the Eagles in the NFC championship game because they lost both of their quarterbacks. So this is like a very, very unique situation on that front. Lane Johnson's going to play. I believe he played with a torn groin last year, so the guy's an animal. But you get Nick Bosa, you get Chase Young, you get the 49ers' crazy depth on the edge. You get their, you know, they're not even going to be able to really help Young or Johnson too often because the interior is awesome in San Francisco too. And then, you know, the, the thing here too is, like, both of these defensive fronts for this team, they're probably the two best in the league, so this could be a lower-scoring contest potentially. And the big one here is, 
the Eagles played in overtime against against the Bills last week where they basically emptied the tank to get through that game. So maybe they come out a little sleepy here. Uh, I, I do think the 49ers win, but I'm not touching it at, 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 as a three-point favorite. Guys, that is Ryan Reynolds' NFL on Twitter. He's watched every snap of every game since 2014, and he lives to tell about it. He lives to podcast about it. He lives to write about it at the33team.com. If you want his survivor thoughts, his power rankings, his expert picks and predictions for every game, and what he's betting on specifically in each game. All those articles can be found on the33team.com. A couple of eagles of note that I wanted to just briefly touch on. One, Devonta Smith. We we talked a few weeks ago about how the Dallas Goddard broken form opened the door for Smith to emerge. And that when you have a talented passer in Jalen Hurts, an awesome offensive line, and a generally good offensive system with only two target options in A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith that uh, both can thrive. Sure enough, Devonta Smith looks like a great buy at this point. Six catches for 99 yards and seven catches for 106 yards and a touchdown in his two games without Dallas Goddard. So when there's a, a player that's talented and the offense gets more consolidated, we generally want to make that bet. And then also, I uh, talked about it earlier this week, which quickly mentioned again, that I think DeAndre Swift is, if your trade deadline hasn't passed, this is a great buy. This is someone that I, I've been higher on. Ryan's been higher on this season than pretty much everybody else that I can imagine. He's monopolizing touches in the Eagles' backfield. We just need a few plays to not go down at the one-yard line. Even with all those one-yard line tush pushes from Jalen Hurts, Swift still has 11 red zone carries the past four games, five goal line carries the past three games. He's reached 31 receiving yards in four games this year. We know that the all-purpose skill set is there. And then weeks 15 through 17, Ryan, here's this fantasy schedule. If we adjust for these fantasy defenses for opponents faced, week 15 against the Seahawks, fifth best matchup. Week 16, the Giants, 12th best matchup. And week 17, when all the money's on the line, the Arizona Cardinals, the second best matchup. I think DeAndre Swift can put up top five fantasy running back numbers during the fantasy playoffs. I know that's music to your ears. A player, we both agreed we were going to be much higher on consensus on for 2023. Now, one thing that's in the news, it's in the news that Aaron Rodgers uh, apparently has been designated to return from injured reserve. A uh, couple quick thoughts, and then I'll pass it to you for some more nuance. Uh, at, a, at face value, I would have thought if the team wanted to stay competitive for Aaron Rodgers to make the playoff push, they wouldn't have started. Quarterback Tim Boyle. And uh, Cam Akers has the fastest Achilles recovery that I'm aware of in football. It was five and a half months. Yes, Rodgers does play quarterback, but right now he's about two and a half months behind Cam Akers. I get that they're different positions, but also Cam Akers was uh, 22. Aaron Rodgers is 40. Ryan, how are, how are you viewing this situation? Because this has to be, uh, I mean, it's a one of one. We, we've never seen anything close to this before, ultimately. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, and you know, one of my favorite things, I think one of the best things about sports in general is just sports speculation. You know, let's we're talking about this stuff where we got to read between the lines. We don't exactly know what the situation is. And I actually have a pretty hot take here. I think this might be a leadership move from Aaron Rodgers. If you watched that game against the Dolphins last week, last Friday, that looked like a team that was dead. That looked like a team that was about to quit. Garrett Wilson's, you know, star players are like, I don't have an answer here. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is back in the building. You know, the Jets have four wins. Aaron Rodgers won four MVPs. This team's a young team. Their offense has been absolutely atrocious for weeks. It's cost them their season. Now, all of a sudden, the culture is going to be different with him just being around every day. You know, and, and here's the other thing, Josh. 
people kill Aaron Rodgers. They don't like him, but he turned Devontae Adams into Jerry Rice, basically. Devontae Adams is a really good player. I don't think he's this, you know, his his career looks different if he plays with Derek Carr his whole life, you know, different situation. Mm-hmm. We could say no, the same for Jordy Nelson. Just going to say Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, he's made these guys a lot of money. Ben McAdoo, Nathaniel Hackett, who's with the Jets right now. These guys got head coaching jobs. The Broncos are six and five with Sean Payton already after Nathaniel Hackett with the Broncos last year. So Rodgers is a unicorn. If you're a young guy who's never won anything and he tells you to shut your mouth, keep, keep, you know, keep the negativity out of the room. I think this might be a leadership move on his part. I like that. Uh, I didn't know where you were going to go with this one when we had it on the show sheet. And I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh, he has, he has put the psychedelics away and he's put the leadership leadership cap on. You love to see it. One thing we also love to see is that the Miami dolphins face the Washington commanders. A lot of fantasy and betting implications here. Uh, we're about to fire up some dolphins. I have a few bets to give out. Let's hear how you're viewing this game since uh, at this point, it looks like the, the most explosive passing offense maybe ever against one of the worst passing defenses I've ever watched. Yeah, this is something where, you know, two things here, Josh. First, we caught, I caught this the other day. You were, you caught the Vikings last year. That's the team. Like, let's just target them every week. You know, they Daniel Jones, you, I do bet his alt line over 300 yards in the regular season. You know, they just, the commanders are getting killed by everyone. Tommy DeVito, Look great against the commanders. If this game stays close, this is a chalk thing. You know, everyone, Tyreek Hill is going to go crazy. Two is going to go crazy. If they keep this game close, like the ceiling is certainly here. This is one of those situations where in DFS, at least, I'm going to be at least close to consensus with chalk here with my Amazon. Yeah, same here. A few bets to give out. I gave this one out in the free 33rd team Discord. The line has moved, but if you're in the Discord, you get these bets immediately. You get notified right when they happen. I took Tyreek Hill to have 150 yards at plus 725 odds. That's now moved to plus 450. Massive line movement in our favor. Plus 725 implies that uh, maybe one in eight games that Tyreek Hill plays the commanders. He has 150 yards. He's been doing this more than one in three games this year. And uh, this is the dream matchup. So I just thought that was pretty off. The line's already moved. I actually think plus 450 still doesn't quite give it enough upside, but I think when the line starts at plus 75 and it becomes plus 450, we should generally leave it alone. And then uh, two bets that are very much available right now on DraftKings. Jalen Waddle at plus 1,800 to lead the Sunday games in receiving yards on DraftKings. There, there's very little competition here outside of Tyreek Hill. Uh, some players that are ahead of him with, with better odds that I would disagree with. Keenan Allen against the Patriots. We'll talk about that game shortly. Amon Ross St. Brown against the Saints. Nobody's hit 270 passing yards against the Saints this year. Michael Pittman is just not the archetype of player that that, that should be leading a, a slate in receiving yards. And then even Travis Kelsey, that one also surprised me. These are all players ahead of Waddle. Waddle has two games this year with at least 114 receiving yards. Last year, he had six games over 100, including games with 129, 143, and 171 yards. So we know that Waddle can do it. Again, it's the perfect matchup. If for some reason, Tyreek Hill doesn't quite fire. I think it's Jalen Waddle delivering. And then the other one is Tua Tagovailoa at plus 500 to have the most passing yards on Sunday. I'm going to run through the other favorites and talk about why they probably can't do it. Sam Howell's plus 800, same game. But Miami's defense has been much better with Jalen Ramsey. So I, I think if Howell's throwing for a lot of yards, it's probably because Tua's already thrown for more yards. Patrick Mahomes is plus 800. We, we've seen that Mahomes is not the same Mahomes given this receiving core. Green Bay's defense is pretty solid against the pass. 
CJ Stroud is plus 800. That's the one that's a little scary, but Denver's defense is a run funnel unit. We talked about that earlier. They're also surging. Broncos have five straight wins, largely because of their pass defense. Jared Goff at plus 950. Again, Saints haven't allowed a 270-yard passer this year. Brock Purdy plus 1,100. I, I like that the Eagles are a pass defense to target. This could be a shootout. But, 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 but Brock Purdy has exactly one game with more than 31 pass attempts this year. One game. I don't really want to bet on that much efficiency. Justin Herbert at plus 1,200. We talked about it with Keenan Allen briefly. Ryan will detail it more. We, we don't like this game against the Patriots. And then Jalen Hurts at plus 1,300. Niners defense has been elite since they acquired Chase Young. And I... I don't. I think Jalen Hurts gonna have a good game. Do I think he's gonna lead this late? No. Tua already has a game this year with 466 passing yards. Four other games separately with over 300. And then the the last thing I'll mention is that Raheem Mostert is obviously a fantasy start. If Devon Achan is healthy, you start him. And if not, you can even flex Jeff Wilson this week, given the touchdown upside in this game. Oh. Ryan, we at this point, I think we spent like six minutes talking about our our favorite fantasy embedding game of the week. Let's talk about one of our least favorite games of the week. Why? Why? I mean, the I'm looking at this Patriots Chargers game. I think Ramondre Stevenson's a fantasy RB two. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster might be their wide receiver one this week with Demario Douglas concussed. I, I hate all of it. Well, uh, how are how are you viewing this Chargers Patriots game? Yeah, I mean. The Chargers season, you know, they're probably the most disappointing team of the year to this point. Um, you know, their defense actually played pretty well against the Ravens last week. They held Lamar Jackson. Um, I, that's something that people seem to be conveniently ignoring on the Ravens side of things. But, you know, and, you know, Belichick's famous for this. He take, he makes you play left-handed. Keenan Allen's going to see all sorts of attention in this matchup. But one thing I want to talk about in general here is, from a macro stance, the Patriots offense right now is so bad, and they have so few tools that – you're either betting their team total, the under on their team total every week, or you're passing. And one thing I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start in-game betting on the on the Patriots uh, team total every week. If I see that their offense is, you know, has some rhythm early, I'm going to stay away from it. If I see them continue to come out clunky and continue to see Mac Jones throw cream puffs to probably the worst supporting cast in the whole league, I'm going to start betting on the Patriots unders in games right now. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out the 33rdteam.com for his survivor thoughts on Mondays, his power rankings on Tuesdays, his expert picks and predictions on Thursdays. Fridays, tomorrow, we have the player prop happy hour where we give out three bets each that we like in the player prop markets. We'll have more bets for you guys tomorrow. And then on Saturdays, he lets you know what he's betting on in each and every game. My fantasy rankings and my rest of season fantasy rankings and trade value chart are both up on the site as well. Now, Ryan, let's let's end with this. There's a few people out there. They're lucky enough. They're still alive in Survivor. I know you have your your uh, one. Uh, you got the white whale. You have one one live entry on DraftKings that you're very excited about. How are you viewing this week? I, I don't want to make you too anxious as you talk about it, but I think the people deserve to know your your nuanced thoughts here. No, this is a uh, this is when it starts to get serious, you know. And the other thing is. If I can get through this week, I have a number. I have the Ravens left. I have the Eagles left. I have some really good spots left. Right? I have close to a free. It's close to a free square as it gets in Survivor. But this week, I'm thinking about three things. I don't have Dallas anymore. You know, if you still have Dallas, you probably should already use them given some of their matchups. But they're usable. But 
same with the Dolphins. I, I wouldn't have any problem playing them against the Commanders, but I would have put them. I would have played them in other spots if I had them. So here, here's where my thought process here is, Josh. I think the Jaguars versus the Bengals is the closest thing to a free square this week. I have absolutely no confidence in Jake Browning at all. It's a home game in prime time for the Jaguars. But, but my plan for this lineup right from the start of the season was week 17 versus the Panthers. That's when I want to use the Jaguars. So my decision is, do I play the Steelers versus the Cardinals? And you're pretty enthusiastic about the Steelers offense this week. So that actually has me trending in that direction a little bit more than I was an hour ago, especially if Hollywood Brown sits. That'll be wonderful. The other one is, you know, the Carolina Panthers just fired a ton of their coaching staff, their rookie quarterback who's struggling against a below-average defense. I'm not sure I really want to wade into playing Baker Mayfield in Week 13 and Survivor with, like, <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars on the line, but that's a consideration. But right now, guys, and I'll final, finalize this in our Discord if you're a Survivor player, it's going to be the Jaguars or the Steelers for me this week, and I think if I win this week, I have a very, very good shot to go to distance with this lineup. 